You're listening to Women Making Waves. I didn't realise there was such a thing as a musical physiotherapist. I always relate that to sports, Susie. Yes, me too. And it's interesting that the Purcell School of Music are really hot on this. And it's a very interesting concept. I think they're hot on it because Dr Sarah Upjohn, who's our first interviewee today, made them aware of it, really. So let's listen to Dr Sarah Upjohn talking to our contributor, Jan Moore. It's very hard to change well-established practice and the practice of teaching classical instruments is hundreds of years old and they work very much on doing it how they were taught. So there's sort of generations and generations of practice that hasn't changed particularly and so changing how people think about teaching musical instruments was hard and eventually having struggled to make any impact the things that changed it were changing fundamental practice at the school Sarah Upjohn has just completed a doctorate of education at the University of Cambridge she's the first chartered physiotherapist to do so and I was keen to find out more about the link that she's found between physiotherapy and the teaching of musical instruments I started by asking her how she chose the subject for her research So I um, am the physiotherapist at the Purcell School, which is one of the specialist music schools for young musicians. And I started working there in about 2008. And I realised the injuries that I was seeing in the children, the playing-related injuries, were probably preventable. And I wanted to do something to prevent the injuries. But at that point, I was just visiting the school one day a week and I didn't really have much voice at the school. Nobody was really listening. And by a strange series of coincidences, I found myself enrolling for a doctorate of education at the Faculty of Education at the University of Cambridge, where I was able to use the research that I was doing to change practice at the school. So initially, you were really picking up and helping to heal the injuries. Yep, absolutely. So it was a case of then taking that step yep. back and saying, how on earth did yeah. we get I was employed these? to treat injuries. Yes. And that was fine. And it was very good of them to realise that yes. that was a helpful thing. But the next step, if you're treating preventable injuries, is to work on preventing them. That's the complex work then, isn't it? Talking to and, and changing some of the practices. Changing of, practices. Of, hard. of teachers. It's how do you really go about hard. doing that? It was... A multi-pronged approach. It's very hard to change well-established practice and the practice of teaching classical instruments is hundreds of years old and they work very much on doing it how they were taught. Mm. So there's sort of generations and generations of practice that hasn't changed particularly and so changing how people think about teaching musical instruments was hard and eventually having struggled to make any impact the things that changed it were changing fundamental practice at the school one of which was including something about well-being or injury prevention within an assessment oh i see because the main thing is that unless something is assessed you tend not to bother with it absolutely you haven't got time (laughs) Um, and so making it part integral to instrument assessments within the school and even if it's just one question like tell me one of the risk factors for playing related injury Yes. So that is taught by the instrument teachers and assessed by the heads of department 
at the school and so instead of it being some information coming from the health centre which they tend to ignore it was information coming from the music department goodness me so so that was the first sort of routine mm-hmm. and the second routine was realizing that there was no other thing to do except call it as a safeguarding issue really because goodness if we are hurting children and it's preventable and we're not doing the things we could do to prevent it, it's actually quite a serious problem. It must take quite a change of of mindset, as you say, because I know, I mean, I have singing lessons, Mm -hmm. and my teacher is forever saying, I was taught like this, or I'm looking Mm -hmm. at the practice Mm -hmm. of. Mm -hmm. But invariably, it's people who are very good at their craft, and then teaching, but not actually picking it all to pieces. And I think that the the advantage that I have as a physiotherapist who is a parent of musical children and a musician is that my fascination with anatomy and biomechanics I've then been able to put into how they teach um, different instruments. And just looking at the ergonomics of instruments is fascinating and trying to make sure that the instrument is set up so that the pupils fit it rather than you know the child having to fit to the instrument trying to make suitable adjustments particularly with growing bodies it's one of the there are five main risk factors for these playing related injuries and they are suddenly increasing playing time changing repertoire to something with a different technical demand stress Mm -hmm. something about posture or ergonomics or technique and the fifth one in children, it's growth spurts. Yes. And immediately after a growth spurt, they're more vulnerable to injury. Yes. And they're the same risk factors in actual fact as if you're working with young athletes or young dancers. I was going to say, it's exactly the same. It must be exactly yes. the same at ballet exactly, school and, exactly. and, and, and all these football yeah, academies. Exactly. Exactly. That, that it's fine, it works very well. And then actually after the holiday, the child comes back yeah, a true. foot exactly. <laughs> so taller exactly. and bigger feet. And they, and they need to accommodate to their new body. Yes. You know? yes. And so working with children, it is different to working with grown-up musicians. Who, yes. you know, those things don't change. And also with with children, often you're changing the actual instrument, aren't you? I'm thinking about string players who mm. start on a sort of half-size mm. fiddle. Mm. Um, and as they uh, grow up, they get bigger. Yes. But, but I sort of am trying to push for the fact that on a grown-up, a violin is quite a little instrument. Mm. And so let it be a little instrument on a child. You don't have to move them up to a bigger instrument just because they've grown Mm. let them stay on a smaller instrument for a bit longer Mm. that's interesting Um, so what about the children themselves how do you give advice because when they're not with their teacher and they're at home doing you know two hours three hours of solid practice on scales the the advantage that we have is that it's a boarding school so most of them stay so the advice can come from the boarding houses and sort of you know general you know advice um, and posters throughout the school and so the going home thing is sort of not so much of an issue with the population of children at the school I work at. But whenever I see any of the pupils, I hand out standard advice. And the standard advice I give them is to start thinking of themselves as musical athletes. Mm. And so warming up before playing, stretching after playing, the importance of rest and recovery time the importance of hydration and nutrition 
And so all the things that athletes do mm. are totally applicable. A dancer would never start without going through all of that yeah. procedure. It's it's just in their DNA. I isn't mean, it? I, you know, I have colleagues. Obviously, I work in the field of performing arts medicine, and I have mm. friends who work at the Royal Ballet School or with elite young dancers. And if you miss the warm up, you don't dance mm. in the class. You're not allowed to. Mm. And so, the, you know, the thing that's missing or has been missing for musicians is that they learn so much about music and so much about their instruments and nothing about their body. Mm. And yet, without that bit working well, it, you know, they're yes. into trouble. Yes. So just trying to change the practice of musicians learning to consider their bodies and not just when they hurt. Yes. It's but as part of... Yes, this is what the you do. The training of musicians. Yes. So, yes. So I now also work with the National Children's Orchestra, and I was working with a, a National Youth Chamber Orchestra, a National Youth Wind Ensemble, and county music hubs, and going in and teaching the teachers about yes. this stuff. Gosh, so it's really, you know, it's become quite a thing, isn't it? Mm. Moving into those because if it doesn't start there, mm. then we're going to have young people with. For shortened careers, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yes, the, the injuries can be anything from inconvenient to career-ending. Mm. Um, and these are, you know, well, any children, but children whose families have invested a vast amount yes. um, in them yes. and in their music. It's something we're hugely aware of with athletes. I mean, we're watching Andy Murray coming mm. back into mm. playing and he's going to be playing in doubles and things. And, and I have a, a young friend who came out of a West End show with nodules on his vocal cords because they were just pushing them so hard and it was Harley Street and so on. And I talked to him about how do you start singing again? And he said, I don't, and he wasn't allowed to speak so, for three mm, weeks mm. And, and what he did. And you think, Cracky, you know, we're just not very careful, are we? Even later on in people's I, careers. I think historically the perspective has always been that, that, you know, performers are a bit dispensable, there's always another one. And, of course, that's wrong on so many levels, but I think that's the history. Mm. Oh, so, yes. so there'll be another one, which is harsh. Yes. <laughs> Yes. And we can do better than that. Yes. You know, and if you're not up to the job, well, we'll find someone who is. Yes, and, and we know there are queues of youngsters yeah. waiting Absolutely. to take those places. Absolutely. Yes. Absolutely. So how does it trickle out then into, you know, the village violin teacher and the town's piano yeah, teachers and I things? Think, I mean, it's not yet. I think right. trickle is the right word. <laughs> um, you know, I, I work mainly with more elite yes. Uh, yes. Uh, instrumentalists, um, young and old, but the way to promote change is through the teachers. Mm. And I am doing work with county music hubs and I am doing work with tutors on residential music courses. And I'm, I'm, this summer I'm speaking at the um, conference of the European String Teachers Association in their summer conference. And I'm doing something for the local branch of the European String Teachers Association in the autumn here in Cambridge. So... You know, the word is getting, word is getting out. out. And I think, you know, trickle will become yes. the norm. But it, it's a time-consuming process. Yes. Any change is hard. Yes. But I think it's kind of timely in that well-being 
Um, it's a big thing and safeguarding safeguarding duty of care yes. these are all com- you know they're important they are um, and maybe parents are more aware if the child is saying my back's really hurting yeah. to go back and say I'm a bit concerned what are we on? doing about this I, mean, I think the key message is pain is never okay pain is never normal mm. um, and it's not all right to play through pain mm. yeah, ever mm. <laughs> so when you started all of this which was out of your your own interest mm. and the work you were starting to do. I mean, had you a goal in mind mm. that when you'd completed <laughs> and actually got your doctorate? No. I, <laughs> and I, I love the smile on your face every time <laughs> you say that. <laughs> I had absolutely no thought of doing anything except changing a problem that I could see at the school that I worked right. at. Yes. So it started off as literally being bothered enough to want to make a change where I was working. Yes. And the part-time doctorate was a five-year course. It took me seven years. I had to intermit a couple of times. So it's a long, long, long Mm, time. Absolutely. But before I'd finished, I was already starting to make an influence outside of the school. You know, people were beginning to listen to what I was saying. Mm. And I think that I'm... Now having as much influence outside of the school as as within it. Mm. But I think having completed the work and the fact that it starts with somebody who is a physiotherapist mm. means that you have got that credibility. Mm. And, and people know it's a problem because every teacher must know that they've had children who they feel could have made more or, or somebody whose career is... And I think it's it's, it's even more than that. I think most players have run into problems at some point. That mm. you know The incidence of playing-related injuries in musicians is extremely high mm. over the course of their career. Yeah. Um, and it's something that... I th- well, probably perhaps it is because it's a fairly niche thing, but it's something that most of us that go to concerts and, and so on are completely unaware of the fact that mm. someone's suffering with their elbow or, mm. or... And I think, I mean, it, it, it is a niche thing and most people are completely unaware of it. it. It's, I think, multifactorial. It's a hidden epidemic. People do not talk about it. People within the industry don't talk about it because if you admit that you're injured, you are or you perceive yourself to be less employable. Yes. Now, dancers are, we are in musicians about probably two decades behind the way dancers approach injuries in that they're very much more open about it. You know, it's it's much more talked about. And I think it, it should be for musicians. Mm. It's not okay to play when you're injured. Mm. And one of the problems is they're self-employed. Yes. You know, and it's, it's a competitive hard, market, it's isn't fiercely it? Fiercely competitive yeah, market. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, if you had a crystal ball mm-hmm. or you had the ability to change things, what mm-hmm. would you be hoping that, as a result of this work, you would be seeing? Ooh, what I would really like one day is for something about musicians' well-being or injury prevention to be within the graded exams. Right, of course. Because yes. if it's just part of the curriculum from the first lesson, it will change everything. Yes. You and know, that's the grassroots, isn't it? That is the yeah. local yeah. organisations yeah. assessing where those children. Every single teacher who enters a kid for any graded exam mm-hmm. will have had to have covered, even if it's just, is the music stand adjusted to the right height? Yes. Are yes. they standing? with good posture is the piano stool adjusted mm. just a grade appropriate 
information within the graded exams. But you're getting there in these seven years. <laughs> it's changed a I lot mean, in seven years. It has amazing changed. investment of your time and expertise, but I mean, you must be thrilled to bits yeah. to see that, yeah. that there is an understanding I now. think I think I was just extremely bothered. I think, you know, to, to spend such a significant chunk of my life doing this work, it's because I'm bothered by yes. it. You yes. know, to treat preventable injuries is not particularly comfortable. Yeah. Wow. Well, thank you so much for coming and sharing that. It's been absolutely wonderful. Thank you for asking. No, and continue the amazing work. And (laughs) we're going to send out, I think, a lot of healthy young musicians now, I'm hoping, with long careers. I hope so. (laughs) Thank you. All right, thanks. And that was Dr Sarah Upjohn talking to our Women Making Waves contributor, Jan Moore.